You're listening to the Bible Chunks Read-Through Podcast in association with the Limadine Bible Reading Plan and Charles River Church. To have your own copy of this reading plan sent straight to your inbox, you can sign up at charlesriver.lmd.church. For more information about Charles River Church, visit charlesriverchurch.com. We read the whole story to make whole disciples of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Bible Chunks, where we read through the Bible in the chunks or sections based on themes that it was designed to be read in so we can get a better handle on the story of God. My name's Kevin. That's enough about me. Let's dive into the Word. Today we'll be reading 2 Corinthians 4.1 through 7.16. 73 verses today. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of the Lord. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have these treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we're at home or away, we make our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due 
for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope that it is known also to your conscience. But we're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about our outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we're beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hungry, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we're treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying And behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has the righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'll make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I'll welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room in your hearts for us. We've wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We've taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I'm acting with great boldness towards you, of great pride in you. 
I'm filled with comfort in all our affliction. I'm overflowing with joy. For even when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your loving and mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even I made, if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For we see what earnestly, earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For whatever boasts I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his affection for you is even greater, as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. As we continue in the reading today in 2 Corinthians, it would seem that there was some sort of rumblings under the surface of disunity and, and people were kind of turning away from Paul in the teachings of the gospel that, that he had preached when he planted the church in Corinth, when he was with them. And it would seem that that has been squashed uh, partially through that first letter, that the first Corinthians letter, uh, and also through the sending of Titus to the church in, in Corinth. And, but as we, uh, as we talk about what the, the scripture was today, Paul is reminding them of the gospel that he preached and that this gospel isn't something that he made up. It's not something that he uh, manifested in himself. This is a treasure that is entrusted to jars of clay. He's just the, that jar of clay that's passing away. His, he sees his body, as while it is a gift of the Lord, it is a gift for the purpose of, uh, of revealing God's glory. And so Paul's body is getting beat up and he has tons of hope in this resurrection body that he's gonna have. They are persecuted, they are struck down, they are carrying in their bodies the death of Jesus, that, like the, the beatings that Jesus received. So Paul is receiving those beatings. We are, we, but yet they're able to rejoice in all of those things because of the hope that they have in the spirit, the hope that they have in the resurrection, because of the hope that they have that this life isn't the end of all things, that this life is manifesting towards an eternal life where he is with God. And he's saying that it would be better to leave this body and, and to be with Christ. But for their sake, he, he's convinced that he's gonna stay 
here for this body because they've been given this ministry of reconciliation and there's nothing that they can do. There's nothing that Paul can do to get away from it. No matter what happens, he can't help but preach this gospel and, and to continue with the mission that God has entrusted to him. The outward appearance is wasting away. This is, these are the meditations of somebody who has been beaten up. These are the meditations of somebody who has been locked in a prison cell. These are the meditations of somebody who has earned his ministry through the beatings and the suffering that he has taken place. Paul has a deep understanding of the gospel and a deep knowledge of who God is and who Christ is and a real relationship through the Spirit of God with, with the Father and with the Son. But because he, he has those things, because he needs to have those things, because he has been afflicted and crushed and, and, and pushed down and, and trampled on. And so in afflictions and hardships and calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger, purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, Holy Spirit, genuine love, all kinds of things. And yet he remains faithful in all of these things. And, and his joy is to know that those things were not in vain, but those, those afflictions were one, in obedience to the Father, but also two, in the building up of the church. And so he finds great comfort in knowing that the church was built up because of his afflictions. It's one thing to suffer and, and to not see the result of that suffering benefiting anything, but it's another thing to suffer and to see the result of that suffering leading to life for others. That's not easy, but it does make the suffering seem like it's worth it. And so um, Paul is, he's, he's talking about that. And then he's saying that even in the middle of it, God comforted me. I thought I was going to die, but God comforted me in sending me Titus to comfort me. And not just his comfort, but the comfort that he brought to me from all of you. And so just Paul's need for relationship and our, all of our need for relationship, that while we're going through difficulties, we need others to speak in. And so I don't know what the Lord is stirring up in you, but um, I'd ask you to consider what does this section of scripture tell us about who God is and what he's like? What does it tell you about yourself? And then finally, what was it that the Holy Spirit was stirring up while we were reading? Take those thoughts, turn them into prayers, and we'll be right here again tomorrow. Until then, God bless.